Hey everyone, it's your host James Olson. Before we get to the episode, I just wanted to share a quick reminder that Pacific Sound Radio has our very own playlist called Van City Jams. Van City Jams features bands and artists that we talk about in every new episode we drop, along with a selection of our favorite local singles. The playlist is updated every week, so head on over to Spotify and expose yourself to some new and exciting Vancouver music. That's Van City Jams, only on Spotify. We now return to your regularly scheduled podcast. Hello and welcome to Pacific Sound Radio, your go-to source for everything happening in the Vancouver music scene. I'm James Olson, and today we are speaking with Tega Ove and George Nasralla of Postmodern Connection. Postmodern Connection are a rising indie rock unit that combine international influences, deceptively complex song structures, and upbeat vibes to create a unique sound within the local music scene. With the band's recent success on Canadian College Radio, festival appearances at Rifflandia and Breakout West, and their participation in the 2023 ARC Music Development Program, Postmodern Connection look to keep their upswing going with the release of their next EP, A Welcome Change. Here's the first single off of A Welcome Change. This is If You Care. Well, it's great to meet you guys. Let's start with some introductions for our listeners. What is your name and what do you play? My name is Tega. I am lead singer and rhythm guitarist. I'm George. I am the lead guitarist. And second singer. Backup singer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How did you two meet? Yeah, we've pretty much, we met at um, university. Um, How we met is kind of, we kind of don't have a 100% uh, accurate story, but what we know, what our friends have told us is, I think Tega was throwing a party, and then I crashed the party, and I found a guitar, started playing it, and um, he saw me play it, and then I think like a few weeks later, I think you had a guitarist in your open mic night to kind of like bail out, so you were looking for someone to like learn a bunch of songs really quickly and i was like fuck it i'll do it and then i learned it really quickly and then ever since we started uh, doing open mic nights and uh, now we're a band do you have any recollection of some of the songs that you were forced to learn under a short period of time oh yeah hallelujah <laughs> um a couple of moses sumney covers like plastic oh nice i love that song and don't bother calling like don't bother calling. I don't think we learned that one, but Redbone, I'm pretty sure we did. Redbone, Ooh, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, I remember like it was just an, it was just him and I doing it. And then when we got like a bassist and a, and a drummer down the line, we we're like, okay, let's have a full band cover. And people really dug that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Might be the best song Childish has ever dropped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely yeah, that whole album. I don't know. I'm not like. I feel like people are like huge Childish stands. I barely listen to Childish Gambino a lot, but that album I, I rinsed and it was ugh, incredible. Awaken My Love, that, that was the album. Mm-hmm. So good, oh yeah. yeah. I think my sibling has that on vinyl. That'd be a good one to pick up. 100%. Yeah. The art must be, the art is beautiful too, so. Oh yeah. Really vibrant colors. What were some of the bands and artists that you both connected over? You know, that's a good question. I didn't grow up listening to rock or alt-rock or indie music. So my, my like, introduction is very based on George. <laughs> George introduced me to a lot of bands. So um, Cosmo Pike, uh, The Districts, The Districts for sure, Hippocampus uh, were a lot of the big bands that we, that, you know, we, we got introduced to uh, Catfish and the, and the Bottle Men. Yeah, and yeah, so some of those, um, Young the Giant. Yeah, um, also Peach Pit, to be honest. Yeah, um, Cage the Elephant, just so, so, so many, so many, like, indie bands. 
yeah, I just shoved a bunch of artists into his face and he's like, oh, I, I, I dig this. And I'm like, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. With that in mind, what angle, uh, Taker, were you kind of approaching it, especially since you started off doing singer, songwriter, open mic nights? Yeah. It, it's interesting, actually, because, yeah, I didn't have, like, a, again, because I didn't grow up listening to it. To me, a lot of it was foreign, and, like, figuring out how to play all of this stuff was foreign. And I was, like, I was listening to, again, Cosmopike and uh, Hippocampus, and I was like, I want to make some of this, but I don't know how to play any of this. I don't know what's going on. And so I took, I I'd learned guitar in ninth grade, which is a long over 10 years ago at this point well way over 10 years but I, I learned guitar but I learned the basics um and I didn't really know bar chords or jazz chords anything like that so I took that summer I think summer of 2016 to just dig deep into bar chords and jazz chords and that's how I started getting into into making stuff um and our first stuff wasn't great. It was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was pretty mid. Oh, blunt. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty mid. But, but yeah, like eventually we got better. And honestly, I really feel like it's not really until um, the post-ARC program that we were in last month that I've really got a solid idea on like how to really write for what I want to write. And, you know, it feels good being able to know that I have this idea in my head and I know how to make that happen now. Yeah, like a lot of the idea, well, what we did pre-ARC was mostly like, oh yeah, we'll come up with riffs and then you'll try to fit in a story into it, but we're kind of doing it the opposite way where like, um, I'll just have a simple riff, but mainly we'll focus on kind of like what the lyrics are kind of saying, kind of have a different approach and I feel like that's been going well and then kind of like mimicking what you're trying to like write for lyrics into like composition wise and i feel like that's been working well yeah i prior to we would focus more on instrumentation which is why i think a lot of our older stuff is more um instrumental heavy there's a lot of licks and there's a lot of changes and stuff but on this new project we're focusing more on the story and simplifying things and making things more accessible to to more listeners um and i think i i think yeah it's really great some of the best stuff we've made so yeah what? tell me more about your experience with the arc program for context for our listeners the arc program's been running for a couple years music bc is very involved in it and it's essentially a uh, songwriter retreat for a variety of different bands and artists so what'd you get out of it we got uh, a lot, but I think the first thing that comes to mind is we got to really get to know a lot of people in the scene and like, you know, have a community of friends, um, people that we love hanging out with and incredible songwriters. So friends and then people who uh, inspire us a lot to write better. I think being there was like supercharging <laughs> batteries because <laughs> you're like, you see how good everyone is and you're like, dang. I want to be that good. And I think it goes vice versa. They see how good everyone else is and they're like, okay, I want to like, I want to step it up and I want to learn from you and see how you do things. And it's just exposes you to so many different perspectives. And yeah, it was, it was an incredible experience. Those are my two big things was the community and the, and the inspiration. What about you? Yeah, definitely the community. The workshop was like all the workshops that we had were really good. were really nice. Um, and just again, yeah, again, the com big em and like emphasis on the community. Like we've met a lot of artists. We've even met artists that we were listening to before and got to collaborate with them. Like what we collaborated with, Bridal Party. I used to listen to Bridal Party before. Yeah, and yeah, Fruitless was a huge song that I really like it. Um, and just like even working with uh, Howard, like Mother Mother's producer or one of them. And she, it was just just amazing and just like how and we just also worked with potato head people and just like just a bunch of other people and just yeah again supercharged batteries literally just what you said like like definitely big emphasis on community and workshop for me i understand as well that you put out a collaboration single what was it like crafting that song it was interesting for sure uh george came to the retreat I think two days in, late, yeah. yeah. The first day, his first day was intense. <laughs> but <laughs> we came to the we came to the retreat a couple of days in after we'd been paired. But bridal party had their full band. It was just me and George, and then Zoe was there as well. So just Zoe. So there was five, 
eight of us. <laughs> there was eight of us, which was crazy because then like there's three guitar players, well, four guitar players, including George. Um, how we wrote that song is Bridal Party had, uh, they started a song and then I had started a song and we literally just kind of like split it in half and melded the two and we transposed the songs to, to fit. Um, and then, yeah, with Howard, it, it just felt super seamless. And then Zoe and um, Susie sat down and put lyrics together. Joe and the rest of Bridal Party really helped with the composition and a lot of the licks and so did we with some of the guitar parts and you know vibes and there's some very cool mouth percussion happening in the second half of the song that <laughs> that I did with Howard so yeah it was it was really interesting it was fun it's difficult writing with so many people but I think everyone was super open about the direction and just willing to you know step forward and back off when when it fit the song I understand, Tega, you are of Nigerian heritage and you, George, are of Lebanese heritage. Curious as to if there are any artists that, say, your parents played while you were growing up that had an impact on your approach to music. That's a really interesting question. Um, I, I love a lot of Arabic music, but I, felt, I feel like with the internet, um, I think I lean towards kind of like knowing West, like Western music a lot. So, so it was more... Um, yeah, like I would listen to a lot of Lebanese artists and whatnot, and Arabic artists in general. But I felt like I was, I was, I felt like I was always trying to go against the grain, because back home, not a lot of people did listen to a lot of indie music, and I kind of felt like the odd one out. So I kept on, you know, I guess uh, being rebellious in that sort of sense. <laughs> so I kept on listening to like a lot of metal, post-punk stuff, my kind of romance, Trivium, like a lot of that type of stuff, and then also slowly starting to get more into the indie scene, but. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. What about you? Yeah, I don't know that I can think of anyone who's directly influenced my approach to this style of music. But I think coming from a different uh, place where, mu- where you know, the style of music is very different, I'm not coming into it with the same sort of ideas and prejudices and, you know, sort of preconceived ways of how things should go so i think that keeps us a lot more open to throwing stuff in there and seeing how it works and being random we've tried experimenting with a little bit more afro beat stuff and we i do really want to find a really good way to in uh, incorporate that there's a brazilian band called trombone de frutas who does such an incredible job of blending some afro stuff and jazz and we want to be able to blend some of that super seamlessly as well um but yeah i mean i listen to a lot of the primary genres in nigeria is like Afrobeat and rap and and pop but Afrobeat and rap are like the biggest and so and some of the classics like Felakuti, but i grew up on davido and Wizkid and burna boy yeah <laughs> I keep getting ads on my YouTube for the Burna Boy tour. Live Nation's really pushing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll probably be a good show if he shows up on time. Oh, is he one of those guys? 100%. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> How did the other guys in the band wind up joining the fold? Um, yeah, because George and I are the primary members and we started the thing together. We wanted to play in Kelowna. There's in a whole lot of venues. And there isn't a whole lot of venues accessible to duos or singers at the time, to duos and singer-songwriters. So we wanted to be able to go play in venues off campus and off open mic stuff and actually be in, you know, do a real show. And so um, I reached out to a friend. We actually had an initial basis. He was like, I can't really commit to this. And so we reached out to a friend, uh, Stephen, and we were like, hey, do you want to play? And we just kind of like rope steven in <laughs> for the ride for a while um because uh, he was like i'll play a couple gigs and we're just like you're you're kind of our basis now <laughs> we have no one else and then, my gunpoint you're our basis now. <laughs> pretty much yeah um and then steven was, was you know incredible um and then yeah and then we we had a friend john who was our, our well thomas or was it john then thomas we had a friend, John, and then John kind of moved on to doing his own music thing. And we kind of went through a few drummers. And yeah, that's kind of how it worked. So we just kind of pulled people in to help, you know, 
get us to more places and get us into more venues and so that we can move, you know, bigger as a unit. As you mentioned, the band hails from Kelowna uh, in the beautiful, if smoky, Okanagan region of (laughs) southeastern BC. How would you describe your band, like the band's place in the Okanagan music scene while you were residing there? There's certainly a number of talented groups in the area, including Mother Son from Kamloops and Mm -hmm. Andrew Judah, who's also from Kelowna. Mm -hmm. And Windmills in Icelandia. Yeah, yeah. Those, those are great guys. Um, the Kelowna music scene is is pretty interesting. It's small, um, and there isn't a lot of people in the alternative indie pop space. So um, I think that proximity makes it super easy for people to connect and give help and support. And you know, we we got a lot of support from lots of people in the scene, like Windmills Icelandia, Andrew Judah produced a lot, uh, a bunch of our early stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I think we couldn't have you know gotten to where we are now without some of the, a lot of the support that we received from the music music community and music organizations there, like Creative uh, Creative Okanagan. You cite groups like Somersault and Hucko as influences, and the band definitely has a summary, upbeat sound. Can this be attributed to your time developing the group while still residing in the Okanagan? I guess so. I mean, the Okanagan is pretty sunny, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, no, a lot of our Bossa grooves has been has been inspired by like Brazilian artists as well as Somersault because they have a lot of Bossa tones to it, and a lot of our like instrumentation and whatnot is really inspired by Hugo. Like, I kind of hate that we didn't see them when they came here, yeah. but um, yeah, I would I would say like yeah, I feel like the Cologne is very summery, yeah, and winters I feel like are somewhat short so that, that i feel like yeah that kind of like like in the back burner kind of helped us yeah i think the weather definitely supplemented the vibes but i think yeah, like george said bands like somersault we really gravitated a lot towards that surf summary sound and hyoko does that really well but hyoko also like pushes the the boundaries in a, in a lot of their music they have this one song that just sounds like like a march <laughs> like a march anthem that's like for most of it and so they're not afraid to really get super weird with stuff and we knew that's what we wanted to do as well and i think with a lot of the surf and like somersault stuff it's very um underneath it all is very jazz based and we really gravitate towards that sort of sound as well Listening to your debut EP, Mitch Howanick's, yeah, Howanick, mm-hmm. <laughs> his his violin really stands out to me. And with the exception of, say, the odd Frank Zappa song or the band Yellow Card, you don't hear a lot of violin as a prominent instrument in rock. Is the violin your secret weapon in a way? I think the violin was uh, was a really good part of that EP because, like you said, it really stood out a lot. Um I wouldn't call it our secret weapon, but I think for differentiator, it really helped us differentiate our sound from what was happening in the space. Um, and I think it had a really great live factor too. People loved seeing that pulled out live and seeing him do crazy riffs and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think now with the new project, we're trying to ease back on uh, how many varied sounds we have and like narrow more down into a vocal focus yeah like yeah no like definitely right like i agree too like right now we're trying to like reduce complexity most of all like the violin did add a nice touch to it especially also live we'd have like um dual solos as well um which was yeah which is kind of kind of sick yeah and just like as you said yellow card and whatnot just like very like interesting you don't really hear a lot of violence in that type of space but yeah but i guess right now we're we like to try new things all the time so right now we're kind of like trying to be more simple because in cluster umbrella things are things are definitely more experimental i would say but yeah no speaking of the debut ep i understand there's basically a four-year gap between demoing and releasing clustered umbrella <laughs> uh though your next release a welcome change is now coming out only two years later how has the songwriting and recording process evolved for the group since that debut release? I think it's changed a lot. Like we've been saying, it's gotten more... When we did that song, um, or that EP rather, like we said, a lot of it was written almost backwards with composition first. And that's really just because of the background 
my initial approach to music. I singers, well, not even really singer songwriter stuff, but I would, I would, I would did some like more R and B, hip hop stuff, and that is more instrumental first. And then you kind of, you know, you find a beat and then you do your thing over the beat. And then if you're lucky, you get in touch with the producer or you get your own producer. So that was kind of the, my frame of mind when coming into this, was crafting a production and then doing lyrics. Um, this time around, we're more focused on the songwriting and on the story, um, which I think is what's leading to simplifying things a lot more because we don't want to, you know, go to ham and release, you know, take focus away from what we're trying to say. A lot of these songs, well, which a good chunk of them were re written recently, but some of them are, one of them is a little older, if you care, it's, it's, yeah. it's older, yeah. Yeah, I know, and then like the recording aspects of things, like um, we weren't really big demo guys, like recording demos and trying to work off of them. We were. It was mostly like, hey, we're in a space, we're going to record this with our phones and then kind of store it on like Dropbox or something <laughs> and then refer to it. But that was before Cluster Umbrella. But after Cluster Umbrella, um, we both got um, better recording rigs to record demos. We got better software as well, like amp simulators. And I felt like that allowed us to kind of like write demos and pre-record in a sense like that and it felt like that gave us more freedom on trying to even write the music right because like we can edit things really well so on and so forth and even when we um went to record our uh, our um ep like in montreal like we we used those demos so felt like recording wise i felt like it became more professional after um crossed umbrella because i felt like clustered umbrella was more raw but uh, yeah, I guess that's in, in terms of uh, recording technicalities. It's amazing what you can do when you have the right software at hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. For your next EP, you worked with producer Tyler Neal Johnson, who has worked with a range of artists, including recent guests Peach Pit, Norwegian pop artist Otha, and country singer-songwriter Austin Basham. How would you describe your experience working with a collaborator uh, who has an ear for a diversity of sounds and styles? Working with Tyler was great. He was very, uh, very chill. He's very laid back, <laughs> and uh, and I think that he has such a good approach to things because he he's very good at like saying, mm, "Nah, let's just leave it. Let's just you know, let's just chill. It's I think it's great right now, and we don't need to do anything else." That's just great for us because we tend to like build and build and build and build. <laughs> so having someone just be like ah, it's chill and like, but still be very open to ideas and like doing 50 takes he he's also very um he loves to dial his tones in so like that's that's a big thing about him he he will spend time getting the perfect tone and getting that perfect like take for sure but just he's about getting that right sound and he likes to get everything you know super super nice um yeah that was great and we did do pre-production with him too so we got to get his input prior to going and he likes to take stuff and shake them up a bit mess around with it and then throw them back and see if you have any ideas so, which is it's a good way to kind of break the mold yeah no um especially with like pre-recording and whatnot like there were some songs we were, where we were like oh like i mean the the guitars sound already really good the way we did it at home. Like we don't need to record it, but Tyler was like, no, like, <laughs> like we're doing this at the studio with, trust me, <laughs> let me dial your tones. And wow. Like there's certain guitars that I thought we'd never play that sounded really good. Like, yeah. like Dan Electro's yeah, with, with lipstick pickups. That was majority of all the lead guitars on yeah. that, on that record. And it just sounds, yeah. And it sounds incredible. It's got a nice colorful tone for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, also like his amp simulators were great, and he just add, added also bells, bobs, and whistles, and <laughs> and uh, clappings and whatnot. So yeah, definitely very creative producer, and really glad we we went out we went out to work with him. Dan Electros seemed to be one of those more underrated guitars. I was on a recording project last year, and we had a baritone Dan Electro, which was really cool. Added like kind of a Western flavor to one of the songs we were working on. Honestly, I've been debating on getting <laughs> on getting a Dan Electro. Um, I forgot the exact model he like we use for the EP. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm only familiar with like the black and white one that yeah. you see all the time. But I think that was 
I think that might have been the one, except his wasn't black. It was like Brown. bronzy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I do think I want a Dan Electra. I, I have got a Epiphone Casino Coupe, and I was going to try and get an ES335. But then I was like, you know what? Let me just <laughs> let me just get something that's not a hollow body. And I really love, like, it, it sounds like it's got a natural chorus on it. I really love that. And I was like, this is exactly what we need. So that's going to be the next cop, shout down Electro. You know where to find me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you already have, like, a hollow body. I think, like, having two different guitars would be sick. But then we'd be the type of band that would have multiple like, guitars in different stage. tracks. Everyone does that. Everyone swaps out on stage. Yeah, I feel like uh, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to reach that level. Yes. I mean, if you're if game. you're not in debt to Long McQuaid, you're not a professional <laughs> musician. Like that's that's the. I play bass, and I've been hemming and hawing on upgrading from my Squire P <laughs> to a Ooh. Fender P. So maybe I could get like a, a Fender P on sale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be sick. Yeah, I mean it's not the sexiest pick because you know like it'd be sweet to get something completely different but like mm-hmm. it's like oh, squire p is good but the fender p is great yeah yeah sometimes that's nice to just like get that like upgrade right? mm-hmm. yeah how does a welcome change present a new direction for the group i think lyrically i'm more dialed in for sure because i do a bulk of the lyric writing um on our old EP, and I think my old approach to songwriting has been like has been a little vague. So I don't start with a particular subject in mind. I just write based on how I'm feeling and then the lyrics kind of form into into something. Um and then I can always resonate with that. But on this project I am writing for a particular each song is for a reason each song is for about a certain relationship in my life um every song is about somebody different um and my relationship to that so i think the the first song on that ep is a song called home to you and that's a song i kind of wrote with my mom in mind and that's just it's more detailing the experience of moving to another country and like culture shock feeling feeling really like isolated no matter like how many people around you? I, I moved from, you know, a, a country where I'm the majority and people who look like me are the majority and my culture is the majority into Kelowna. <laughs> and so it's like, wow, you know, it was huge. And then my mom moved on her own to Edmonton and, you know, she's she's worked really hard. She went to school by herself, got her PhD um, and has, has had to work really hard since she's been there. And even now, and she's still not getting the level of you know, career success that she deserves for all her qualifications. So it was just me wishing I could be as strong as my mom and, you know, wishing I could just go back home and, and live live with my mom <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. And so yeah, stuff like that. Each one is about turnout just finds about my relationship with my brother and growing up and, you know, going from always fighting to how we are super tight and like, you know, he is my my rock. So yeah. It seems to be the arc is, well, ideally the arc for most siblings is just like you fight, fight like dogs when you're when you're kids, and then at a certain <laughs> yeah. point you're like, ah, you're fine. Yeah. That, yeah, that happened to me and my my sister. Like, oh man, when she was in, I was I was away from home because I was out at UBC. But I remember we didn't get along that well when she was going through through high school. Mm. But now, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, there's no issues. Georgia has two siblings. How was it for you? Because you're the oldest. Oh man, we oh, fought a lot. <laughs> we fought a lot, but now, but now, yeah, like, like I love them both, and now he loves them. Now, now I love them. <laughs> I used to hate them. No, no, there was always some love, you know. But you guys know, yeah. siblings, sibling fights. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, now I feel like we support each other really well. Mm-hmm. Want to get your perspective, actually, George? Uh, in what ways do you think the EP presents a new direction for the group? Definitely, like, the way we've been um, just uh, writing things. Like, for like for me, when I when I write, I don't write full songs. I'm, I'm very ADHD with things. Like, I'll write a riff and then just move on to the next. Like, like that's how it is. Whereas in the Enclosed Umbrella, again, it was more instrumental-focused. But this time, it's more like, oh, Tech has an idea. I'm like, okay, cool. I've got a riff. Let's build on this riff around that idea right so so a lot of changes a lot of suggestions a lot of you know 
switching of riffs, sometimes combining multiple riffs that he has and I have together as well. But um, I felt, yeah, I feel like uh, feel like it seems like this is the direction that we might stick to. It might change, but I mean, for now, definitely just revolving around uh, around uh, the story of what the song brings out, really, and the emotion. What song or songs off the new EP are you most eager to share with new and current fans? All of them. <laughs> all yeah. of them. All of them are pretty good. They're all, um, they're all pretty different from each other in a, in a way. I think they all like tonally and everything sound like you know together on one project. But I think vibe wise, um, feel a little different. I I really love nothing to grow an old. Um, but uh, Moody Lovers Blues is easily one of one, both of them are easily one of my favorites. Um, Moody Lovers Blues is very like classic doo-wop we wanted to channel like some of this old classic doo-wop vibe so like yeah think like leon bridges to to who, who can i think of it's like super super old school doo-wop yeah i'm drawing a blank as well because like i think uh i know like frank zappa did doo-wop stuff but that was kind of sarcastic mm. so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we we i really wanted to get that one two three because I, I love i love anything in six eight and, and doo-wop Trudy and the Romance. Trudy and the Romance. They're not old, no. They're not old, no. But what do they call themselves? Mutant pop? I don't know. It's Ooh, but they, I like that. Yeah, check that out. Yeah, they they even even recording wise, they sound just so raw. Like yeah, like their first albums are like their first albums are pretty pretty raw. But I think it serves. Any songs you're excited for? Well, here's the thing. Again, like everything. I guess it depends on what comes out next. Like before If You Care was released, I was really excited for If You Care to come out. And now after If You Care has been released, I'm excited for the next song to come out. So, it's, so right now my favorite one is the next to come out. And then after that, it's going to be another favorite one and then another favorite one. So yeah. so yeah. I'm eager to see which one people gravitate to uh, most. A Welcome Change will be the band's first release on a label. What label did you connect with and what excites you the most about being signed? Yeah, we are working with um, unbelievably spectacular, um, and we've got it, we've got like really good support from from the label in terms of like managing and um, you know managing putting together reaching out to contacts PR and all that stuff. Because prior to in our last EP, we did do all that stuff. We you know got a PR agent and reached out to radio like a radio promoter and the whole shebang. But with the label, you kind of get someone who is helping you with that support, but also helping you with crafting the sound, but also like being keeping you on time and saying, okay, this is the release. This is, you know, someone having someone else to help you organize everything has been uh, has been really been really great. Yeah, um, we can bring their ideas and be like, I think this is how we should we need to do it for industry purposes. So yeah, that's that stuff is something we're we're enjoying a lot. Yeah, at a certain point, do it yourself is is nice because you have complete control. But the problem is you have to do everything yourself, which can get um, taxing. Exhausting. Yeah, yeah, and we're still pretty involved in a lot of the what like it's not a relationship where there's you know you need to do this X Y Z way. It's more like do you have the assets for this? What does that look like? Okay, cool. Let's you know let's move on. And, or here's my thoughts on here's some stuff that I've made from the label and uh, that I think could be cool. So it's very collaborative. That's great. And what do you have lined up to promote? A single's already dropped, and you have another one coming out soon. We got a music video, and we got another single in November, and then we've got an EP release party, um, November twenty fourth, which we're stoked for. Right now, we've got Sleepy G and Zoe Eleven. Uh, Ooh, that's a good, Bill. Yeah, that's, that's great. So I'm I'm excited for that, and that that's gonna be at the Waldorf. I don't know if I said that right, but um, maybe the Waldorf Hotel, and. Um, gonna be blasting the tiktoks i <laughs> i recently got a sorry i recently got a new camera so i'm like really getting into making fun super simple clean you know stuff that looks like almost like a music video but it's only like a minute long because i think that's what's really doing well right now on reels and tiktok is that super clean professional look so i've been loving making stuff like that yeah i know TikTok is also up there. Um, 
transferring them to reels <laughs> as well i guess um a lot of um iphone content on on instagram as well as maybe i think we've been trying to to try um twitch streaming <laughs> i mean we haven't really started it but uh i've been setting it up on the side yeah, kind of <laughs> so got baldur's gate trying to maybe we'll see we'll play some twitch I heard, streams I, I heard that game steamy oh <laughs> oh yeah no we'll we'll ha- i don't think we can show steamy content on uh, twitch so it's, we're like gonna- the content. <laughs> <laughs> it's all i've heard about that game versus oh it's also a really good you know fantasy game but like <laughs> sex scenes <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i know yeah, that's what I heard too. But um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you can riz up characters, man. Yeah. Like, but no, we're playing it for the story, okay? The story. Right, the story. <laughs> okay, heard that before. Um, it's funny you mentioned Twitch streaming because I and this band, I don't even think they're active anymore. But they were doing something on Twitch that I thought was kind of cool. Have you thought about live streaming your rehearsals? We actually talked about this two days ago. Like, um, I know, I know Green Day has done it. I think Dragon Force has done it. I think so. Um, yeah, on a side note, Terman Lee did comment on our TikTok oh, saying, wow. uh, <laughs> all he said was nice, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I feel like it would be kind of sick to maybe try to try to like stream a rehearsal. Um, aside from like maybe just gaming content or just like. Yeah, or maybe even just uh, messing around and just making music. I don't know. We haven't really thought that extensively of it. We're just going to try it out and see what happens. But um, I think a big issue for us around that has been time. Like, we both work full time. And then, like, I moved to Vancouver last year and George was still in Kelowna and he just moved to Vancouver last month. So, like, yeah, even doing shows in, in this in Vancouver has been a challenge, which is why we haven't done a whole lot. So, yeah, now that we're together um yeah i do i do really want to get because it's just a, it's just a fun way to hang in general definitely postmodern connection has found success on the canadian college radio circuit and has had the opportunity to play a couple major festivals uh including rifflandia and breakout west well major for western canada that is <laughs> yeah. um what do you owe your initial success to and how are you looking to keep that momentum going um i think every time we do something that's you know successful for our, our level in our career where i'm always like dang y'all are listening to this <laughs> okay that's that's cool that's great thank you you know i'm always like i'm always like stunned that there's people out there no matter how small who are like yeah i love this this is great and i'm like wow so i think like um kind of just we don't approach anything from uh, like we deserve this perspective we kind of approach everything as like a Holy, that's that's crazy! I'm, you know, we're 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 just kind of happy to be here. <laughs> that's that's the energy, and I think, um, and I think, yeah, honestly, trying to be a part of the community has been a good integral part of that. Kelowna is a small community, um, and trying to be a part of that community has really helped pushing us out there. And I think, um, when you do something unique in a city like Kelowna, it's easier to come up to the front and, um. As far as radio and stuff, I think that's just up to people listening, and we're just happy that like people like it enough to you know get it to number one on certain stations and stuff. That's just still mind blowing to me that someone likes one of our songs enough to, to spin it enough times for that, you know. Yeah, and like other things that kind of keep us going is that we get random like messages from people saying like, "Oh, your music is so good. Thank you for putting music like even through emails." and dms and and yeah i felt like i feel like that's an inspiration for us to keep on moving forward yeah it's like it really lets you know that like there's real people it's not just like internet numbers and stuff um and yeah like i think just that like feeling of putting out that energy of gratefulness especially when it comes to festivals and stuff yeah we've done breakout west and um riff riff was through arc um and yeah, I think the community is really what helps us get to that to that point. I read you utilized Kickstarter to help fund your music video for the song Drowning. How have you found platforms like these to be a meaningful way for your fans to not only support you but otherwise get expensive projects off the ground? Hmm. We even we did that once, yeah. Um and I thought 
the, the outpouring of support was really incredible. Because um, personally, I feel I don't like to to ask. <laughs> I don't like to ask for help. So to see people willingly, you know, give us money to make something that you know they only benefit by by viewing and maybe enjoying was was such a grateful and heartwarming experience. Um, and we want to be able to to do more things like that. But I think in the future we want to be able to curate the experience so that people really get. Um, a really good like value memorable experience out of it so i'd love to make something that you know is a little bit i, I i'm still working on ideas but i think next time we do something like a kickstarter it's going to be something a little bit more you know longer longer lasting for them yeah what are your thoughts like like the drowning thing we're working on maybe more tangible yeah i love the game yeah yeah, there was a, <laughs> there's a. We still got it in the back pocket. Yeah. Yeah, we said we have a. Um, so, so I guess uh, we were trying to build a game. Um, I'm a software developer as a profession, so I tried to I tried to see how tough it is to build a game. It was really tough, actually. I've heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did build it. We did build majority of it. Um, there's a lot of kinks to sort out still, and it looks raw. But <laughs> but uh, hopefully one day we can we can finally release it. I mean, it's in the back pocket, so we can always try to. I'm I'm sure it already looks better than some of the junk you can you pay you can pay money for on Steam. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's not like you know Clash of Dogs or whatever weird spam games they have out there. But I think yeah, the next level for like kickstarter and and even discord and twitch is to really build a community and give the community value in a way that that lets them really feel connected and like they're really benefiting and not really just propping us up for sure and kind of on the topic of music videos i'm always interested in the visuals that bands and artists utilize to complement their songs and with drowning and the clip you made for folly adieu uh, I definitely noticed a bit of a Wes Anderson flair to the costumes, colors, and shot composition. Who's the mastermind behind your video concepts? Few different people. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to dig into as much visual concept as we'd like, and I think that's something we're doing differently about this EP is we are trying to dig deeper into visuals. Um, and I think that's like that's taken time to really figure out the the value of it as a branding perspective, but also as a, as another way of showing your creative outlet and really, you know, showing this is kind of what the music looks like. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Um, so for drowning, there was quite a few: the, uh, Tegan McGinnis. Um, Aaron De Silva, De Silva, Jordan Powers, they they all worked on that video, but Tegan McGinnis and Aaron De Silva were the primary directors behind that, and that was purely their concept. Um, they wanted to make something out there, and we were like, heck yeah. And then for Folia Du, our buddy David Vasiliev has done a couple of them. He did Folia Du, and he's done other stuff with us. Yeah, I did the... the BTS for in the dark and our buddy David has been has been a huge 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 support and and help um but for Folly Do we knew we wanted to make something simpler and we've definitely been leaning towards that like cinematic simple Wes Anderson style of things because we think that really captures where we're at and that's what we've been trying to build towards for the last few years i think on a brand level is capturing that nostalgia so while it may not always be exactly wes anderson you know looking it's the overall feeling of nostalgia that i think he he really captures as a side note was the drowning clip the origin of the overalls you were on stage it was not no <laughs> okay where did the overalls come from then the overalls came from a need to unify our look on stage um, that's really where they came from. And I was going through a big overall phase and I was like, fuck, let's just all wear overalls, man. Like <laughs> it's easy. We can all just get a pair. Um, and so for that one, we got white ones and dyed them blue and then we, we wear them and then we switched to like solid colors after that. But it came from a need to kind of unify 
what we look like on stage. Yeah, I'm going to start there. <laughs> Overalls. Overalls. <laughs> I hear you two are fantasy fans, particularly of Dungeons & Dragons. Can you describe your characters? I haven't completed a campaign myself, but I have a character fully fleshed out. Oh, man, I have a few characters. <laughs> um, I got... Aside from Baldur's Gate, a like my IR, one of my IRL characters is a is a dwarf eldritch knight. His name is Abdul Latif. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's also a librarian who pretty much left home to to kind of um seek out uh, better knowledge, and found himself uh, with a group of I guess bandits and uh, trying to trying to do some quests and whatnot and uh, rack up some, get some money. Nice. What about you, Tega? You know what? I I, I haven't played D&D, so oh. <laughs> I'm hoping to get into Baldur's Gate with George. Um, D&D is tough for me. I love fantasy. I'm, I'm a big fantasy guy, but I don't have the time commitment, and I also don't want to imagine what stuff looks like. I want to <laughs> watch it on my TV while I play. Like, like The Witcher. I love The Witcher. I've played that so many times. And, like, books was a big one. I rinsed Aragon for so many times and Dune and so many other, like, fantasy books. Um, but, yeah, I think when it comes to playing fantasy games, I like the the third person open worlds those are those are my style yeah i well i encountered that problem with dungeons and dragons is that like i tried to get it going with people and then i realized that like oh this is really time consuming yeah (laughs) yeah like you gotta dedicate like you know at least one day a week like a couple hours in order to get anywhere for months oh years bro like like i my previous campaign we had to stop it because like we have lives so (laughs) so like uh we had like a group of four excluding the dungeon master um who oh my like goddamn dungeon masters have it hard not gonna lie but it's just like people have things to do so it's time consuming like our previous campaign like lasted a whole year and a bit until we were like, until like, we just slowly start to say like, hey, we're busy, we're busy. And then it just, I've never truly ended a campaign and I've been playing it for four years. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Yeah, hopefully Baldur's Gate is, uh, hopefully Baldur's Gate is manageable. I feel like it is. Yeah, it's not the, I mean, because it's a video game as opposed to the D&D setup. I think the record for, campaign ending prematurely was like literally one session for me i think it was i tried to do that over uh like quarantine and yeah uh with with um let's see people who were previously involved in the in the podcast but yeah i think it was i think it was more just like my head my head my heart were not into it especially at that time so especially with like quarantine so much is happening yeah i feel that yeah not fun <laughs> understatement but yeah <laughs> glad we're out of that um looking ahead to 2024 what does postmodern connection have coming up you know we always kind of chill post releases but not just because it's been difficult for us to do much else tour and all that jazz but i think 2024 we we do want to try to embark on a on a tour of some sort um and hopefully you know do some like some festival stints um and then hopefully towards the end of that get get back into the studio and start working on stuff but yeah i think we want to get out there more and play a whole lot more for 2024 that's kind of going to be our our big goal is to do a small tour and some festivals and just really get out there irl especially in vancouver since we've moved here now (laughs) yeah yeah, especially in the city and, you know, try and get into some of the cool city festivals. Yeah, and you're already ahead of the curve with, like, releasing something in the back half of 2023. Then you don't have to do deal with trying to release something and touring, which yeah. is pretty smart. It just worked out that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have anywhere in mind that you'd be thinking of in terms of touring? <sighs> Nowhere too far. We'll we'll see. Yeah, the cash for the visas. And <laughs> we'll we'll see. The label can help you with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we definitely want to kind of get more out there into BC. I'd love to get into Calgary, Winnipeg. Um, I I want to kind of tackle Canada first. Um, see if we can get a 
to the east side, do some Toronto stuff. Montreal would be great. Um, yeah, I'd love to be able to just do a small, a few, a stint, maybe between here to Calgary, and then like plan out. You know, if we can get something nice out east, that that'd be great. What local bands or artists would you recommend we check out or bring on the show for a future episode? Well, there's a lot. <laughs> there's many. Um, Bridal Party for sure. Yeah, Zoe Levins for sure. Dossy. So many. Um, JJ, Adrian's. Um, Bungalow, Michaela. There's so many. You did one with Michaela. So yeah, already, yeah. yeah. Mika- Michaela re- recommended Bungalow because I believe they moonlight uh, as her live mm-hmm. band. Or at least some and of them. And a few other people. <laughs> yeah, Bungalow's incredible. Mikey Jose. Tion, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had Tion on the show a couple oh, times. Oh, did you? Nice. Yeah. Heck yeah, yeah. Mikey Jose for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I think so many cool. I don't know if you've had Sleepy G yet, but I would... Oh yeah, I had them on at least at least a couple, couple times. times. Heck yeah. Show's been running a while. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, sick. This is this is our introduction. Heck yeah. Yeah. So those nice. are some names from us. Yeah, yeah. And you you name dropped a couple people that have been uh angling to have on the show. Bridal Party would be I've had one member of Bridal Party on the show, but mm. because they're based on the island it just yeah. makes it yeah. and I did video uh interviews out of necessity for um you know, good chunk of uh, the pandemic, but mm-hmm. I'm in this point now where like, no, we do it in person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do it. <laughs> yeah. The vibe's a lot better. Yeah. Well, thanks again, guys. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us. It has, it has been fun. Yeah. Thanks for having us, man. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, James Olson. Before we close this episode off with one more song by our featured guest, I just want to let you know that you can keep up with what we're up to on Facebook and Instagram at Pacific Sound Radio and on our website at PacificSoundRadio.com. If you like the show, you can give us a five-star rating and a positive review on your podcast platform of choice that lets you leave reviews. This is Turned Out Just Fine. Remember-